space, final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And you may notice this week that we don't have Dr. Squee, so we apologise if the technology's not running quite perfectly. Um, As people may have noticed, uh, our latest episode's still not up yet, and that's because we uh, my PC packed in. So, we're doing quite well, to be honest, because I've had to get a new laptop set up, get it all set up to record, and we're trying to do Facebook Live, so I think we're, you know, we're going a bit crazy with it all, so... Yeah, you know, but we liked doing Discovery Live, didn't we? We did, yeah. So, so we're going to see if we can carry on doing it that format. <laughs> yeah, we may not, we may fail, but we'll give it a go. Yeah, yeah. So, this get time... for not trying. we finished Discovery... And let's let's give everyone a bit of background on what we're going to be doing for the next however long. So we're starting with we're making a big assumption that Star Trek Prodigy is probably going to be the next show that airs. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, where when it was Star Trek Live was that back in October? Yes, October like November. That. They'd already had Kate Mulgrew in the studios recording a couple of episodes, so. Yeah. So you'd assume that they've got the animation the animation to go along with the voice recording. Yeah, we're thinking that some of that's in the can and because a bit of a lower production turnaround on an animated show, we're thinking that we're probably going to get Prodigy before we get any more live-action shows. I don't <coughs> think we'll have, we've got another live-action probably till the very end of this year, if we look at yeah, I think probably I agree looking with at twenty twenty two because of all the virus. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a safe bet at this stage. Um, so with that in mind, we don't know much about Prodigy, but we do know that Kate Mulgrew is going to appear in it, and we know that she's going to be playing Janeway or some version of Janeway. Um, so, with that in mind, like we did the Road to Picard, we're going to kind of do the Road to Prodigy, and we're going to... Yeah, be, we're gonna look be, at some of Janeway, how, how Janeway got there. Yeah, so we're going to get... Um, there is something else, like, we mentioned it a few weeks ago, um, John Lacey Let's Slip, that is going to come back again. Oh, Yeah. I didn't think of that. So we can look at the um, Janeway Q episodes. Yes, yeah. So we kill two birds, one stone. Yeah, and at, at least the first one of the Janeway Q episodes is good fun. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of that Civil War one, I have to say, but um, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll revisit it. And we're also... We had the the working theory that maybe Janeway's going to be a command hologram... Yeah, I think that makes most... Like, we've been told the shows ought to be a group of teenage kids who find a derelict shit that'll fly... Yeah, something ...and go like on that. adventures, and then you've got Janeway coming into it. Now, I couldn't see an admiral being happy to go around with a bunch of runaway Federation kids... No. ...on a stolen Federation vessel, so... 
I think it's probably more likely her being a command hologram on the on the ship. Yeah, I think I can... I don't know whether it will turn out like that, but I think it's a good theory and I think we can run with it a bit. And so with that excuse, we get to look at some of the good hologram episodes, so some of the good Doctor episodes. And some episodes. of the terrible hologram episodes exactly. as well. And we... Oh God, we yeah, will be drunk for that one. We won't have, yeah. <laughs> and... Also, that means we can broaden it a little bit from Voyager, so we might look at some of the TNG DS9 holodeck episodes. Uh, we yeah, might... um, looking at the we look at the Doctor, who I think is arguably probably the best character in uh, Voyager. Oh, I'd I'd go with that. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Catherine, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd go with the Doctor, but. So let, let's get to what we're doing this week then. So we're doing Caretaker, the first episode of Voyager, the two-part pilot episode, and we're going to be digging into that one. Before that, though, we, we have got a bit of news, haven't we? There's been a, a few different things going on. There's a, there's a few things that have dropped, isn't there? Um, well, biggest one, obviously, mm-hmm. is... Um, Lower Decks is now available for everyone worldwide on Amazon Prime. Yes, finally. That uh, that dropped on Friday, just gone, which was the 22nd, 23rd? Yeah, 22nd, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to keep track of days and dates. And... It is. Yeah, I got a message from um, Laney who said, I know what you were on about now, where you were talking about Riker saving the day at the end of every episode. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't just happen yeah. once last year. It happened a couple <laughs> of times. Um, so, yeah, that's really good that um, Lower Decks is out there. And yeah. I've been noticing it's getting, now that it's much more widely available, people are talking about it more. And it seems to be getting a good reception. I noticed that. Yeah, it's getting a, a decent reception, which is great. Yeah. Um, other big news, um, the Firecom Plus that we've mentioned before. Oh, yeah. It's now, go- it's now going to be ta- called Paramount Plus. Yep. We haven't got a worldwide uh, launch date yet, but it has got March the 4th as its launch date in right. the US and Canada. Yeah, and there was and that. And you'd assume they'd want to roll it out worldwide fairly quick after that. You would think so, yeah. And th- there was an advert as well, which obviously featured um, Ethan Peck, and um, Anson Mount in character, so they're, yeah, they're um, obviously banking on Strange New Worlds being popular, which I'm sure it will be. Yeah, um, they just about finished um, pre-production. Uh, most of the sets are built now for Strange New mm-hmm. Worlds, um, so they should be starting filming as soon as they're allowed to move actors about. Yeah, and, this is it, isn't it? Through. It's like, this is, like, I know the fandom menace has gone to town on a lot of these Star Trek shows, like they do because of the delays, and, oh, it's all cancelled, and none of this is happening. And the, the truth of it is, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and they literally can't film no, People, exactly. The, the and actors are locked, locked at home the same as the rest of us. Well, the, I mean, certain productions have been moving ahead, but it's been very sort of stop-start because if one person yeah. tests positive, you've got to shut the whole thing down. And Yeah. And, you know, and this is not just Star Trek that's been affected. Like, the 
they had to shut down the Batman film and I'm sure most oh. people heard Tom Cruise and his opinions on it all recently. So, yeah, it's affecting every every yeah, production um, going on. Where Picard's if, uh, if California can allow, allow them out of doors at all, it should finally be starting to shoot yeah. next month. Well, Patrick Stewart uh, has had his jab. We saw there's a video going round with him getting his first jab anyway, so... Yeah, <laughs> like, he, like I know the fandom minister's made a big deal that uh, Picard has been cancelled because it's not started shooting yet. Um, he was in costume in December. Yeah. He should have started shooting. And again... The virus has delayed it. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, I want to see season two of Picard, but I don't want Patrick Stewart getting the coronavirus. So well, wait does, as long as you Patrick need to Stewart? wait. We don't want anyone getting it. No, of course we if don't. It, if it's not safe to start filming, as much as we love Star Trek, I could wait an extra couple of months exactly. for people to be safe. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. So we're we're expecting then... Prodigy, we're going to look at Voyager. Now, obviously, anyone who's listened to us for a while knows that you like to tease me about not being the biggest fan of Voyager. And I, I, I think it's a bit unfair, because when we looked at all them time travel episodes, there were some great Voyager time travel episodes in there. And Except that none of them actually happened. No, <laughs> no none of them happened. But <laughs> which, which is a shame. Some of the best Voyager episodes never happened. Exactly, and the worst ones did, but there you go. <coughs> so what we're going to do then, we're starting right from the beginning. And again, I'm going to say up front, I think this is a really good episode. I, <laughs> Yeah, uh, we were talking over the weekend, weren't we? And... Um, you were right, this is probably the best of, would we call it the Silver Age Trek? Yeah, the, the 90s, 80s, 90s yeah. era Trek, yeah. Yeah, I think if you go on the same way they do comics, you'd have to say the Golden Age was TOS. Yeah. And probably the first six movies. Silver Age, TNG, DS9, Voyager Enterprise. Yeah. And now we're in the Bronze Age. Yeah, I'll go with that. Um. So, yeah, I think it's... I do think it's the strongest pilot from that era if you look at TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise. Arguably, yeah. I, I could definitely listen to an argument that DS9 has a better pilot, but I think DS9's pilot is so character-driven and I think DS9's pilot gets richer the better you know the characters. Whereas... Yeah. This, I could imagine a casual viewer watching this and getting a lot out of it, whereas I think yeah. DS9, even though Emissary is a great episode, I think it needs think a bit more you know, commitment. When you know the characters better and go and re-watch it, it works better as Yeah, it? and I think it needs a bit more investment as sort of as a sci-fi fan, as a, you know, I'm willing to dive into quite a a high-concept thing of the, the profits and the non-linear time and all of that, whereas you can kind of watch this one just as a bit of an adventure. And, yeah. it, you know, it'd almost work as a as a film, as a standalone film. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and there's a lot, actually... I mean, we'll get into it as we go through, but the the structure of it is very much more like a film than it is... Um, a TV episode in that if you look at the next gen pilot, particularly 
you more or less get introduced to everyone right at the start. Like, I know you've got Rikers on Farpoint with um, uh, Dr. Crusher and whatnot. So there's a few, you know, the, we're sort of, the crew was kind of in two halves, but yeah. it very much starts out of, you know, a lot of the crew's together and we're off on a mission. Whereas this gradually introduces everything. Like, we start with just Janeway in Paris and then we move to the ship and we meet a few more characters and then we go yeah then we go to the Delta Quadrant and we we reintroduce the Maquis and we meet Neelix and so it it in a way it takes its time with the structure it's paced like a film bringing in people when the story demands it uh, the build up that like how this episode plays and there was a lot of groundwork for this episode done in Start With Changing, then in DS9. Yeah, definitely. To get the marquee established. And this episode plays it really well. It does, yeah. The other six seasons and 22 episodes <laughs> seem to forget that, but... Yeah, the marquee stuff, like... Well, let's start off then, right at the beginning. We start with a Star Wars-style scroll, and DS9 did that as well, so I'm not going to yeah. dock Voyager points for pinching off Star Wars, because DS9 had already done it. And you know what? I'm happy it with works. big letters coming across the screen, yeah. And that very briefly sets up the Maquis. And, yeah, like, we start with the Maquis crew, not with Voyager, and that's yeah, totally really... different. Like, TNG, we start on the Enterprise with Picard. DS9, we start with a flashback, but we start with Cisco. Yeah. Whereas this is like, no, you, you're meeting people who you will come to know and there will be main characters, but the first person you see is not the captain and it's not the crew in the setting that, that you're going to know. Get to know. So it's a bit more almost taking a few more chances by doing that than the other pilots. But I like it. I think it's it's the best uh, yeah, way to start like, the story. To be, fair, to be fair, when this came out, TNG had been massively successful. Um, DS9 has just run its second season. Its ratings are on the way up. Yeah. Uh, the movies have launched. Generations was... Generations was successful. Uh, is this before First Contact? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It will but have been, yeah. Even, it's Warf on in DS9 yet, so, yeah. Yeah. But even so, the, the movies have launched and been successful. So the launch of a new season of Star Trek and the, the ride in a wave, so they can take some, a few oh, more chances. Yeah, here. definitely. And... <clears throat> The thing with this one, like, DS9 was sort of carving its own path, doing something a little bit different, and in some ways, this was meant to be the show to replace TNG, like, to get the the casual fans watching. And so I think even by season three of DS9, it had got to the stage where the people who loved it, loved it. But the casual audience that liked TNG weren't as on board with DS9 and... Yeah, like, <coughs> DS9, we've said this before, DS9 nowadays, it does TV how we do TV nowadays, yeah, where yeah. there's huge arc, story arcs going on. There was standalone episodes, but as a casual viewer, it's hit and miss if you get 
a yeah. standalone story when you turn it on. You might yeah, be in the middle true. of another story and there's all sorts of other stuff and yeah, Voyager's back to much more back to kind of the story of the week kind of thing. And yeah, I think in a way have been. Well, <laughs> if you look at it, I think the fact that Voyager did that probably allowed DS9 to get more serialized because at the time Voyager launches is just when DS9 was really cranking it up and getting more serialized. And I, I think like I Robert says in that um, documentary, the What You Left Behind, that they were quite happy that Voyager was going to be the kind of the flagship show because it let them get on with what they wanted to do. <laughs> and so if nothing else, we've got that to thank you for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we get the ship in the Badlands and the Badlands were introduced in DS9, but they didn't have these special effects. These are brand new for a... This is your pilot episode level of effects. They might not look like it now, but back in the day, this yeah, was like, serious what's, money. What's this, 96? This... Yeah. So... So this big CGI Badlands, looked, it looked awesome at the time. And DS9 reuses the effect after this. You know, they, they've spent serious money on putting it in, so they, they've obviously <laughs> kept the optical effect and they're using well, you it again. Win, can you? And then... The main credits, now, I think the Voyager main credits are amazing. Like, visually, they're just stunning. Yeah, well, there were, there were another level, weren't there? Like, yeah. this, was, this was, I think, the first show that was purely CGI credits. Yeah, and you can tell, because it's not in a bad way, either, because it's a lot more dynamic, the way the ship moves, and... And, and let's bear in mind, this is... Three, four years before The Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah, yeah. It looks look better than... These, this CGI is... Why didn't the hand hire these people to work on The Phantom Menace? Yeah, that would have been a fair <laughs> point. Yeah, I'd never thought of it quite in them terms before, but you're absolutely right. Like, you can still watch Voyager now, and this is, what, 25-year-old special effects? 25-year-old CGI, and it stands up today. It looks as good today as it did when it came out. Yeah, it does. It looks great. And, um, <clears throat> like, particularly, the bit I love is where it's sort of going over that ice ring and you can yeah. see the reflection of the ship in the ice. And, you know, that's just great. Do you think, though, you know, I'm not... I think the credits are fantastic, but should they have bothered with them in this episode... Because we've not even seen the ship at this point in the story, and we get this whole credit sequence seeing the ship. Showing us it. Uh, you know, um, like, would it have well, been you worth? Same, you could say the same about DS9. No, because DS9, the, the teaser finishes with the reveal of the station, and right, Jake, yeah. Jake says, is that it? And then DS9's credits is just multiple shots of the station, so... You know, I don't yeah. know. It's um, <clears throat> I I just think in a way it kind of spoils the reveal of the ship. But of, yeah, but I, I hadn't thought of that because I've watched for I've watched for exactly, and and it didn't for me either because there was so much pre publicity going into Voyager that you knew what the ship was, you knew who all the characters were, yeah. uh, you know, so there wasn't any of that. Uh, we've had a comment from... See, it's down as Facebook user. You've got to 
allow StreamYard to know your name, but a comment on DS9 says, I, I enjoyed DS9 as an adult rather than when I was younger. And a lot of people are saying that. Like, I think it's found its home on streaming um, now. And, I mean, I loved it when I was a kid, but... Um, I can't get away with that one. Not quite. But you, like you enjoyed it when you were as young as you could have been when it came out. You, I enjoyed it when it came out, yeah. Yeah. But it is, it's happening a lot, isn't it, that people are discovering DS9 now. And it is getting yeah. a sort of a wider audience and everything. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are, are feeling that. Uh, so, after the credits then, we start in the Federation penal colony and we meet Tom Paris. At New, Ze- at New Zealand. At New Zealand, yeah. So, well done, Federation. 400 years in the future and they're still sending all the crims to the colonies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> we haven't moved on that far. <laughs> and, yeah, I... Again, I think this is a good way of introducing the characters. Like, rather yeah. than just having them all report into duty, we, we get to meet the captain and we get to meet Tom Paris, first of all. And we might as well talk about the genesis of... Tom Paris, because he is pretty much the guy that he played in the first duty. At yeah. least at this like, stage in the story. It, like, let's be honest. If um, the guy who wrote the first duty had given them the rights, yeah. it would have been Nicholas Latif. Is yeah. it Latifa? Uh Lucano. Lucano. And uh, yeah, that's it. And uh, they, they like, want... the the change a few things about Paris here. Um, yeah. Instead of being a cadet, he was already acting officer in Starfleet. Yeah. Uh, three people died instead of one. Yeah. And his father was an admiral. Yeah, so they, yeah, they've tweaked it a bit, but it, effectively it's the same thing. Somebody did something yeah. wrong and he ended up confessing to it, got in a lot of trouble, and now he's got to redeem himself. And I do think that they, they take it further from that as the series goes on. And as yeah. Robert Duncan McNeil gets to develop the character more, it is a different character. But it's certainly, they obviously saw him in the first duty and said, that's the character that we want for Voyager. Or, or, or the, maybe, yeah, that's the, that's the character we want. For some reason, they weren't allowed to use the same character name. Yeah. Which would have been great if they could, because it would have been a great continuity. It would, continuity. yeah, definitely. Um, but again, because he, he wasn't actually in, in jail for kill, for these people dying on his watch, he was kicked out of Starfleet and yeah. joined the Marquis. Is why he's in yeah, jail. yeah, and that's good setup as well that he's got this background of. See, I I've not seen this pilot in a while, and I forget that Tom was actually part of the Marquis because it just doesn't it doesn't really yeah. come back at any point later on. Well, where. It, <clears throat> it is said that it like his first mission he went on he was captured. Oh yeah, he didn't do well as a Mackey, but um and it sets up this animosity with Chicote that's gonna come back later in the episode, if not in the series. Uh so yeah, it's good background, it's good establishing for the characters. Now, don't you think this prison looks really nice though? It did actually, yeah, we're alright. I'm not I'm not being funny. I'm approaching a year of being locked in my home, <laughs> as most people are. And I'm sorry, I would love to be locked up in that park. Yeah, it's not too bad at all. There's 
And they just go for like a stroll through the trains <laughs> and everything yeah, afterwards. There's no sign of guards. There's no sign of any fences. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, Federation prisoners are good prisoners. You know, they don't... They'd maybe just turn the entire island into a prison. Yeah, it's like Kurt Russell's there trying to escape from it somewhere in the background. Yeah. He'd probably escape quite easily, though. Um, so they go to DS9 and we continue the tradition of having a cast member pass it on. So we started with DeForest Kelly passing on to the next gen. Patrick Stewart passes on to DS9. Then they go for Quark. I mean, I love Quark. Yeah, but... I like Quark, but what's... Like, it does make a bit of sense in a way because, like, we like even as you're arriving at DS9, we get a bit more of uh, Paris's character because we've seen yeah. that he's a bit of a, a womanizer, a bit of a flirt. Yeah, yeah. And then we get this because of Quark being there and, and duping Harry King. That is actually that he's a bit street smart as well. Yeah, they they're very much at this stage. I mean, I think Tom probably is the main character of this whole two parter. Really, it's all his journey from prison yeah. to um, being made a lieutenant again at the end, and. It does focus on him. I think we get more development for Tom than we do with anyone else. And he is sort of playing this cool character. You know, he's, like you say, streetwise. He's a good pilot. He's He's been a bit of a mercenary, so... Yeah. They are but building like, him up. What, like we pro- what are we in about 10, 15 minutes of a new show? And we already know quite a lot about this character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're doing a good job. Um, I mean, I, I do think this episode's really good with what it gives us. Obviously, not every character gets as much screen time, but certainly, like you said, well, with Tom, we're getting a very clear understanding of who he is. They do a good job with Harry. Like, we see that he's a bit naive. He's fresh out of the Academy. Yeah. That's pretty much how he's going to stay for seven years. We don't get a lot more <laughs> for Harry, but that's not this episode's fault, you know. No. The fact that what this episode does in 20 minutes, the writers don't really do anything else with is, is neither here nor there. But for the, for the sake of this episode, it does a good job at it. And, yeah, he gets a bit conned by Quark. We find out that the Federation warns you about Ferengi. And I love how Quark sort of uses that to manipulate it. You know, he's like, right, well, I'm going to... Well, let's be honest here, Quark's probably heard that before. Oh, no doubt at all, yeah. And I don't think for a second he's offended. And, and, and let's be honest, we've we've seen Quark and Cisco before when Quark's tried to come up with stuff. So we know full well how Cisco would actually react to any complaint. Oh, yeah, Cisco would deal with it much quicker, definitely. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we find out... <clears throat> We find out all about Voyager. It's top of the line. It can sustain its cruise velocity. It's got gel packs. And yeah. I think they do a good job of... Because obviously we've gone from the Enterprise, which is the flagship of the Federation. It's got all the bells and it's whistles. It's huge. It's massive. Yeah. But I think they do a good job in this of establishing Voyager. It's not as big, but it's something different and it's something unique and it... It's something yeah, it's, you can invest in. It's been in. built to do a job. Yeah. It, it's manoeuvrable. It, it might be small, but it's massively heavily armed. Yeah. 
So they do do a good job of establishing it's not the Enterprise, but it's still a really cool ship. And then off they go to the Badlands, they get zapped. And we get to see, um, like, we see the warp engines move for the Yeah, time. yeah. And that was the answer to the TNG episode where yeah, they said why you couldn't go above warp six. Yeah, that was a weird one. They didn't think that one through. It, but Well, Voyager was the first answer where yeah. you alter the profile of the nacelles and it's fine. And that's good. But, I'm happy with that. Yeah, why they couldn't just build them in that shape, though? Oh, because you need <laughs> you need them flat for other bases. Like in Discovery, we've not really been given a good reason why they need to detach, but... Yeah, why did the cells are detached? To make it more manoeuvrable. Makes it more manoeuvrable. Well, how? How? Yeah, don't understand that. But anyway, same sort of thing. And, yeah, they get zapped by the beam. Now, the first officer, obviously... We meet these characters that we know are going to die. We've got to kill the first officer because we want Chakotay. We've got to kill the chief engineer, so we need Balana, and we've got to kill the doctor because we need the doctor. So yeah. you get them introduced, but this first they officer... Also, they also kill um, the one that... Uh, uh, of course they do, yeah. Because we need Paris. You need Tom there, yes, you're right. First officer is a bit rubbish... Like, Janeway said, you know, everybody brace yourselves, and they're getting hit by the thing. And he's up at the security station, and instead of just grabbing hold of the railing, he decides to run right round the security station and try and run to his chair. Yeah. Like, idiot. That's the sort of thing that gets you killed when you get zapped well, by a big... No. If he'd done it the proper way, that wharf toss and jumped over... Exactly. It'd have been fine. Jumped over. He'd have been in his chair. Exactly, just up and over, or just hung on to it. He didn't follow Starfleet protocol, jump over the railings, and you're okay. Or if he'd have just sat down in his chair like Riker, he'd have been straight in. But anyway, so he doesn't last long, and rightly so, because he doesn't negotiate the bridge very well. And yeah, the, the array looks really cool. The, yeah. the caretaker's array, that's an excellent model. It, was it a model or was it CGI? But either it's, way. It's, all, it's models. It, models. It's, it's a funny one, is um, Voyager, because like they did all that work for the titles in CGI. Yeah. But CGI was still in its early days, so you couldn't actually do what they did on a week on a show-by-show yeah, yeah. show basis. So they, they did build physical models for everything. And the Caretaker's Array is brilliant. I mean, it's probably worth us keeping an eye out as we go through later episodes because I bet they it broke does this get down. Used again. Yeah, because it, it's far too good a model to want to use the ones. Um, so, yeah, they're on the Array, they're on the other side of the galaxy. And I like that you see Janeway sort of taking charge, like. They're establishing her as she's from a science background rather than a strictly command background. So yeah. she gets her hands dirty. She's like, I'm going to go down to engineering and I'm going to help with what's going on down there. And Harry and Tom get sent to sick bay. So you get this really kind of hands-on thing. And of course, we get the doctor gets activated. And he's just brilliant right from the start. It, yeah, it, like... Obviously, lines are written, but Robert Picardo just he nails the, the role yeah. from the first moment he's on screen. He does. 
And it's just, his attitude straight away is brilliant. He's just like, right, well, you need to send for more people. I'm not a long-term replacement. You need to get this done. And yeah, he's brilliant. And yeah, then it gets a bit weird because they, they get beamed to the array and it's this weird country sort of setting mm. with a banjo player and all this business. Yeah. It, I've got you. I've made some fresh lemonade and sweet cookies. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, it it makes sense within the context of the stories. It's like I'm, I, he says like I'm not ready for you yet. So well, why did you beam them over if you weren't ready yeah. for them? Is oh, I wanted to, you know I wanted to show them my weird southern well, plantation. Maybe, maybe he had to get them off the ship so that they didn't start firing on the yeah, I suppose so, we repair too much so they could get away. Yes, we see the array is quite fragile later on if you decide to attack it. So yeah, I suppose yeah. that's a fair point. And yeah, it's all the thing to kind of hold them up, isn't it? But it, I mean, it, we've seen it loads in Star Trek, aliens appearing as human things and in these weird settings and everything, but yeah. it, I do think it, it sort of slows the episode down a bit when we get to this bit. And it's, I mean, it's not, it's not the longest sequence, but it's, I don't know. It just doesn't, doesn't, to me, it doesn't flow that well. No, it, like they obviously had an idea and I, I don't know if it's a costing thing, why they did it this way. Mm budget or something but it just doesn't flow the re- the same as the rest of the episode yeah and it, i quite like the idea that oh you know we're meeting these people and they appear to be friendly but there's obviously something going on underneath the surface but it, if you're gonna do that i don't think they spend long enough on it because you've got to kind of build up the sense of paranoia and tension and yeah but so they don't really spend long enough to do that so it just comes off as, this is just weird for the sake of being weird kind of thing. Yeah. But when they do find the crew, that's really cool. And again, it's great effects. Like they've got in this big long corridor and they're all on these beds and they're experimenting on them and everything. And it's quite sort of gruesome, the experiments they're doing. It's like a sort of alien abduction thing. Well, it's literally no, an alien abduction. It, well, it's <laughs> an alien abduction. Yeah. <laughs> and very sort of, X-Files style when they're drilling into Harry or whatever they're doing. Um, yeah. So Yeah, so he wakes up and sees it and screams. Yeah. Like, is he screaming in shock or is he screaming in pain as he's injected? Because it is straight into his stomach. Yeah, I'd, I'd, bit of both. Bit of both. Yeah. And, yeah, they end up back on Voyager and we find out that Torres has disappeared and Kim's disappeared. And, and they've also <coughs> been gone for three days. Yes, yeah, three days. So they've literally been experimented on for three days. Yeah, you'd think more people would be like, ooh, I've got a sore ass or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. they've been doing to them. And you get the first sort of meeting between Janeway and Chakotay. And again, I'm not holding this episode responsible for anything else that happens in the rest of the series, but it really sets up this nice dynamic of these being two different crews, two different captains, two different ideologies, two different agendas, and they do butt heads with each other and there's a bit of distrust between them. Which is right because 
Like, that was the whole point of putting the marquee in here. Yeah. The marquee was split away from the Federation because the Federation is literally giving the homes away. Yeah. So they don't trust the Federation. The Federation are an enemy. Yeah, absolutely. And there is this great sort of friction between them. And, you know, Tuvok gets outed as he was a spy on Chakotay's ship and Chakotay's kicking off with Tom and everything. But Janeway kind of stands up to him and like, no, he's a part of my crew and you don't speak to him like that. Yeah. And it's really good, really good tension between them. Um, you know, who'd have thought that a year later they'd be sharing a bath on a planet with a little monkey, you know? <laughs> but, you Is that know, only a year later? Well, yeah, end of season two. Um, then we get, they go back to speak to the caretaker and it's all very, very cryptic, like there's not enough time and all this yeah. business. Um, there's a mistake that can't be put right. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, okay. We get that there's a backstory that we're not going to get yet, but being very, very cryptic, but there we go. And meanwhile, Harry and Bellana are in a kind of hospital, and again, the character works great. Like, it establishes them two have been thrown together, but it establishes this rapport between them, like she calls him Starfleet, and... She's really yeah, sort of prickly it, and, and she's angry. Starfleet is an insult. Yeah, but it sort of turns into like an affectionate nickname as the series goes on. Yeah. And I think it's dropped before too long, but again, it's just a nice little bit that that shows these two have got a bond because they're in this traumatic situation together. And the contrast's really good between the two of them. You've got Bilana, who's incredibly hot-headed, and you've got Harry, who, with him being just out of the academy and scared and a bit naive and everything, there is a brilliant contrast between the two characters. They're a good, a good one to pair up in this episode. Yeah. So yeah, it does. It does work quite quite well. Yeah, it's excellent. It, it works well that they're both scared because they have no idea where they are or why they are. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a, an alien race there. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of alien races then, this we get a couple introduced pretty quickly. And firstly, it's the Acompa, so they they follow all the signals and whatnot back to the Acompa planet. And basically, the planet's absolutely knackered. And yeah, an M-class planet with no water. No water, because this is the thing, isn't it? Like they Obviously, they meet Neelix now. And it's all about water. It's like, uh, you've got no. nothing you can trade me unless you've got water. Well, now, I have a problem with this. I have no problem with your compass being short of water. Yeah. Or needing the caretaker to protect them and all the water is underground where they are, that they can't live on the surface. But surely their water would replenish anyway with recycling, etc. So yeah. I can't see why they'd, have, why they'd actually run out. But... Neelix is in a, in a warp-capable spaceship. Yeah. Go to an asteroid, mine some water. Yeah, uh, that's a fair point. Mix hydrogen and oxygen, two of the most common elements in the yeah. universe. A comet. Go, go to another planet and get some water. It, this is just one planet that's had a disaster. Yeah, because you're right. Because the, it, the... Isn't like, it isn't like this is... Like, we're in the Delta Quadrant. This isn't like the Delta Quadrant has had a disaster that has no water. This yeah. is one single planet. No, you're right. So and, and like the, the Acumpa who who a bit who I assume have no 
um, space space capabilities. So it's a problem for them. But why is it a problem for Neelix? Mm. Why is it a problem for the Kazon? Yeah, I mean, the Kazon that are down on the planet, yeah. But you're right. Yeah, but when, they don't have to be there. No, when the rest of them turn up, they're the same, aren't they? They're like, we need... Yeah, you're right. That... Yeah. It, it makes no... It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It, you're right. It, it only it, makes it's sense. A car- it's a thing that they're doing sci-fi. Um, we've seen it in V, the aliens came from Walter. Oh, yeah, they did, yeah. Uh, obliv- Oblivion's even worse. Oblivion, <laughs> they come for water to turn it into hydrogen. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's, a con- it's a regularly used mm. trope of um, <clears throat> shortages of You're water. You're right, like, it'd, um, it'd work if it was just that water. <laughs> yeah, if it was just the Acompa planet and the Kazon were indigenous to that planet. Uh, but they're not. They've got big ships. And again, yeah. as we find out in season two, Kazon ships can really move. You know, they. Kazon ships are super fast. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. But Neelix then. Now, obviously, Neelix is a controversial figure in Star Trek fandom. Not the most loved character, but I don't think he's bad in this episode. I think he isn't. He, he plays a scab. He's playing a scavenger. Yeah, there's an edge to him that they lose yeah. really, really quickly. But when we first meet him, he's he's really again, like you said about Tom, he's really streetwise. He knows yeah. what's going on in the quadrant. He's self sufficient. <clears throat> He can fend for himself and he's obviously used to dealing with all these different factions and these different races and he is legitimately really useful to the ship. Yeah. Uh, but then that just goes within a couple of episodes. But, but Yeah, but this is a common problem with Voyager. Yeah. This is, the, this is what a lot of people get annoyed about. And it is... There was... There was a setup done with the Marquis and Federate, the Marquis being against the Federation mm-hmm. in TNG and DS9. We have it in this episode, it shows that the butt heads together. Yeah, definitely. But then they forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's weird. And yeah. So another thing, like again, going back to this, how they're setting up all these character dynamics. You get this great stuff with Tuvok and Neelix where he sort of says, perhaps you'd care for a bath. You know, and it's setting up this, not antagonism, but sort of a a playful sort of banter between them. So again, as a pilot episode, it's doing some really good work here, setting all these things up. It does some great work, does the caretaker. And I think, to be fair, Tuvok and Neelix, they do carry that on and they do deliver on that. So that's one of the relationships they don't forget about. And, yeah, eventually Neelix leads them to the Kazon. And, again, we'll have lots to say about the Kazon in later episodes, but I don't think they're too bad in this one. For for how they're presented, which is that this culture, they've got loads of different sects... In the grand scheme of things, they're not that powerful. They're not the Klingons. They're not the Romulans. 
that they are a legitimate problem to the Acompa and they are a legitimate problem in this area of space. And in great yeah. enough number, they could be a problem to Voyager. And I think but, they work in why, that function why here. Why bothered about this... this like, they obviously want the technology on the array. Yeah. Fair enough. But why are they bothered about getting to the water underneath of the Acumpa? They don't need it. There's yeah. no reason for it. it You're it, right. It is. It's that, oh, what should they be after? Water. That's a good one. Yeah. No water's yeah. everywhere in the universe. You're right. Cause if, uh... if you haven't got water, hydrogen and oxygen are... Uh, two of the three most common elements in yeah. the universe. Yeah, and so how are they? How are they doing interstellar travel without water and everything? Yeah. If they need to, you, no, you're absolutely right. And then we meet Kez, and Kez is sort of for a compen society. She's a bit of a rebel. She's kind of um, branched out on her own. So that there's this kind we of we find out. We find out here that the Acumpa a very short lived. They only live for nine years. Nine years, yeah. The Kazons say that. They say that they make terrible slaves. Yeah, terrible slaves. Uh, they only and, last and they don't years. last long. <laughs> very true. So while we're talking about how old Kez is, then let's get on to Neelix and Kez's relationship because, on one level, like a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, she's only two. It's disgusting. Blah blah blah. And it, yeah, okay, she. Technically, she's only two, but she's clearly a fully developed adult. But in, even in her, then, uh, her culture, her species, she's a grown adult. But even then, the age difference still feels wrong between Ethan Phillips and Jennifer Lean. It, I don't know. It's just still a bit, a little bit uncomfortable. And I think that's the reason that you don't really see them showing a lot of affection, like you never really see him kissing and occasionally they'll hold yeah. hands or whatever. But I think if you're going to do it, you've got to commit to it and show them to be in a relationship. But instead it's it's this weird relationship where he's like, yeah. oh, sweetums, but there doesn't appear to be any any sort of physical yeah, side to talk, the relationship. If you talk to anyone else, I'm going to get insanely yeah. jealous. It's so, it's it's just weird. It's... Yeah, it, I think the age difference between the actors, not not necessarily yeah. the characters, makes it feel weird. Yeah, I I, I don't have a problem. Like, I know she's only two. Yeah. But you can't look at it that way because it's her species only lives till the nine. No, exactly. And like, so she's she is a full grown she's a full grown woman for her species. Yeah, she's like twenty or something. You yeah. know, in in a company yeah. years. Um. Yeah. But it's not as weird like when she kind of has a relationship with Tom, you know, in later episodes. Yeah, because he's younger. Because he's younger, but it's it's the actors, the age difference, and it's yeah. I al- I almost feel like maybe they were aware of that and that's why they don't play up like that side yeah. of it too much. I don't know. I don't know. It, it is a funny relationship how it's between. Yeah. And they, obviously it doesn't last anyway, you know. They, do they break up, like, mid-season two or something? Something like that. But then you can't really break up if you're not really a couple, which they don't feel like to me. But anyway, um, so, yeah, the, the Acumpa then, they're being protected by the caretaker, but I think there's, all, there's also this implication that is the caretaker overprotective? 
And is it is yeah. the caretaker actually stifling the development of this species a little bit? Well, he probably is. Well, he, I don't think it's just a little bit. I think he's probably... Yeah. I, I get the impression that, the like they say 500 generations. Yeah. Uh, Tuvok at one point says for a millennium. And I think you've got to realistically look at the probably being underground for a couple of thousand years. Yeah. With with the, how they age, you've yeah. got to probably say about 2,000 years. And I get the impression that their technology hasn't moved, that they have been stagnant. Yeah, it does come across like that, and Kez... Kez kind of wants to break out of that mould. Uh, <laughs> yeah. on, on the other side of it, you've got you've got the fact that they, it's implied that they've had far greater mental powers, and we explore that with Kez later on. Yeah. But that's kind of died down because they've not used it because of uh, yeah. this situation they're in. So it's they don't spend a lot of time with it, but it is an interesting dynamic, this yeah. idea of... I, I think it's one of... I, like... The Acumpa set up um, as a really interesting species. It's very different with how short-lived they are. Yeah. Uh, like, realistically, if you had Kess stay in it for the whole seven seasons, yeah. she'd be approaching the end of her life. Yeah, the and I think that was probably the plan, that we were going to yeah. see Kess's whole life, basically, throughout this yeah. show. Um. So yeah, that could have been interesting. Obviously, you know, behind the scenes and contracts and everything, we didn't stay with Kez, but it would have been interesting to do that. Now, this underground city is clearly a shopping mall. That, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> I mean, they don't even really dress it up too much, but anyway. Uh, it has a nice um, to do a nice. Uh, picture don't they yeah I'm sure it's spreading out for, oh yeah um, yeah matte painting yeah I, I like matte paintings i know you can always tell that it's a matte painting but there's there's something about it there's a charm to them that you don't get yeah. in big cgi cityscapes yeah so then really we're getting into kind of the action towards the end of the episode now so the first thing is that everybody's trying to climb up these steps and they're going to get out the First, they've got to find Harry and Bellana because Bellana and Harry have been climbing up, but they're too knackered to get to the top. And then Kez is going to lead them out of it and everything. And it ends up with Tom and Neelix get Kez and Bellana and Harry to the top, but then they're going to go back to rescue Janeway and Chakotay. And yeah. it's this whole thing of... Tom gets to rescue Chicote, but Chicote is not happy that it's Tom that's going to yeah. rescue him. And again, and you now owe me like the played on the Indian thing straight away. Oh, Matt, the, now this is, is just it right, like uh, now you'll owe me a life. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's a Native American Tom, not a Wookiee. You know, yeah. it, it, oh, <laughs> well, we we have talked about uh, where the like. About a lot of this, haven't we? In the yes. Past. Yeah. We've they, they've got some very very bad a- advice on how to present on what Native, Native American. Americans were. <laughs> yes, they did. And if you're not familiar with the story, Google it. It's hilarious. But and the thing is, again, you wouldn't get this today 
like Chicote would have been played by a Native American actor now, but instead they've got yeah. Robert Beltran, who's of Latino descent. So it so it's not like the actor could go, well, actually, that's culturally wrong, because he hasn't got a clue. Yeah. He's just doing what they're telling him. And yeah. you, you've got this stuff, and to be honest, I couldn't believe that as recently as when Voyager came out, they were still talking like this and getting away with it. So it's like, <laughs> first of all, saying Indian instead of Native American. Like, I, I didn't think we still did that in the 90s, but evidently we did. But, yeah, we did. But first of all, it's, okay, so isn't there an Indian custom where you owe me your life? Okay, a little bit dubious there, Tom. Yeah, then wrong, it's, wrong, wrong tribe. Then it's... Then the next one. Yeah. Isn't there an Indian custom where you can turn into a bird? Yeah, where you can turn into a bird. Like, you what? What are you on about? It's not a changeling. Yeah, like, I'll tell you what would have been awesome if if Chakotay had just gone, oh, yeah, there is, and he'd have turned into it. You know, if you're going to get it wrong, you might as well get it wrong and just go all out with it. Like, they, they should have made Chakotay into, like, Brave Star, you know, had him strength of the bear and Man, all that manimal. stuff. Yes. <laughs> But, yeah, so that, I mean, it's just shocking. A lot but... of people probably haven't heard of Manimal. It was a Classic. very short-lived. Eight episodes, was it? I thought it was more than that, but, yeah. No, um... it's only, I think it's only about eight episodes. It didn't even get a full season before they cut it. I can't imagine why, I mean. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Google Manimal. Um, so, yeah, the, the Native American stuff is just shocking. I mean, it's yeah. one of them where the, there's enough distance from it that you can laugh at it in a, I can't believe how sort of backward we were, and that you could get away let's, with that. Let's in... be honest. Let's be honest. Like, this is bad, but when you watch the rest of the show, this is actually really good. Oh, yeah, it gets it gets the so almost, much worse. The, they've almost got Indian, Native American culture nailed here compared to what they <laughs> Yeah, comparatively, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, so they get we find out all about the caretaker. So basically the caretaker's dying. It's trying to send all the energy and stuff to keep the Acompa going. And the Kazon want to take over the array. Voyager decides they're going to stop them. But they also want him to send them home. And it ends up with Chakotay making a big heroic sort of suicide well, run in the well, Mackie ship. We, get, we do get to see the Kazon uh, Raiders. Yeah, we do. And I don't know if you've noticed here, but every single light on the Kazon Raiders is in orange. Okay. And it's because they were rushed. All right. Like, they didn't know until um, three weeks before filming that they, ne- they hadn't told the model department they needed these models. Oh, bloody hell, okay. Until literally weeks beforehand. So they were rushed out, so the finer details weren't fleshed out, so it was literally, right, it's one light in there lighting everything oh, up. Oh, right, wow. That's <laughs> and, crazy. And things like that, and it's why you don't get close-ups of the Kazon Raiders and that it was crazy. That is, yeah. Oh, I mean, to like, be fair, they didn't... Like, they also, like there's the Kazon radio that we see, which is the, t- the two smaller ships. Yeah. Then there's a bigger sort of Kazon capital ship. Yeah. There's also one we don't see in this episode, which is the Kazon torpedo stroke fighter. Yeah. And, but they had to have them all ready for this episode, even though they didn't use the fighter. Right. 
So the fight is literally just um, cut out the top section of the model and put a different section on right. because you didn't have time to make a third model. They did so when you do some of the fight later on, it looks almost exactly like the Raider. Right. <laughs> they did a decent job, though. I mean, to say they were working to that kind of deadline because yeah. it's, it's oh. a decent action sequence at the end of this episode. Oh, it is. It is a decent, but it's amazing that. Yeah. You've done all this, like, I imagine they probably had a year of pre-production. Yeah. And if you get to tell the model department, oh, by the way, we've got this alien species and we need yeah, X, Y, and Z spaceship for them. Yeah, that is a bit crazy. <laughs> but I, th- I think the, the, in that case, they did do a very, very good job. The, but, yeah, they did. But I, I like how it all plays out at the end. Like, obviously, you've got this idea Jane Wayne and Tuvok are talking about, well, is it... Does the Prime Directive apply or not? And Janeway's yeah. got to make the big decision of, well, it's the better thing is to save the Acompa, but it's going to strand us all out here. And that is a good dilemma. And obviously, you know, we've got to set the show up, so she's obviously going to leave them stranded. But, you know, there's some really good stuff, and I love the bit where Belana's kicking off about it, you know, saying who's she to make the decision, and... Chakotay just says she's the captain. And I think that's a brilliant line from Chakotay. Yeah. Because it's like, like, no, that's... To be fair, Belana has a fair point. Who is she to no, make a she decision? Does. To trap me at, at maximum speed, it's 75 yeah. years. And they can't maintain maximum speed for 75 years. Yeah, she, she absolutely does have a good point. But I think that sort of sums up the Star Trek thing, and it shows that Chakotay has still got a lot of Starfleet officer in him because it's like, no, she's the captain, so she does make the decision. And maybe it softens Chakotay a little bit too much for this early in the show, but I think it's a great line. And obviously they destroy the array, it leaves them out in the Delta Quadrant. We get a bit about how the crews are merging together, like... Janeway says, we've decided to be one crew, a Starfleet crew. Like, let me see that conversation. That would have been great, watching yeah. watching them hash out the deal of how it's going to work. Like, right, well, we're going to be a Starfleet. We're all going to wear Starfleet uniforms. And, you know, we, yeah. you've got to follow the chain of command. I'd love to have yeah. seen a bit of give and take yeah. with it. You, like, you've dropped out of... Like, this is something that should have been carried on for... <laughs> Probably well into the first season. Yeah. Before they became a proper Starfleet crew. Yeah. And the uh, stuff like, you know, I know this is kind of, we've covered this a lot recently with Discovery, but, you know, who's going to be the first officer? There should have been something about that rather than just end of the first episode, Chakotay is my first officer. No, develop it, build it up. Should I make yeah. Tuvok my first officer? He's my, my best friend, but... The, you know, my closest advisor, but then if I give it to Chakotay, that'll give me a bit of a, a bit, bit of sway of with the... Uh, you know, so... Merging both crews together. So, yeah, they, they could have done some great stuff, and, you know, they do a bit of it in the next episode with Belana as the chief engineer, but, again, that's all done in one episode, so... Yeah, it, there's a lot of... There's a lot of stuff that... Like, they do come... They do some silly little things and all that of Marquee, but there's nothing major. There should have been a load of conflict between they these should. two crews. Absolutely, they should, yeah. Um, like, like you were saying, was it models or CGI? It was models. And it's a shame that they were still in the age where they had to use models. 
Because Voyage would have been a great show to show the ship damage some weeks. Yeah. And carry that damage on and um, botched metal plates of repairs so it wasn't all the same colour. And Yeah, yeah, it would have been. And, yeah. It, Which they did do in Enterprise when they could do that in yeah. Enterprise. I mean, they could have even... I mean, I like that Chakotay sort of sacrifices the ship and everything, but, you know, they could have kept the Maquis ship around for a bit and done stuff with that as well. You know, the... There's loads well, of stuff that they could have done. work on that later, don't they, when we get the Delta flight? Yes, yeah, you're right. Uh, and then but obviously... It does make sense that he, like, it showed him being a hero and all that. Yeah. And, and obviously Tom, Tom gets his promotion, so we do have a character arc for Tom that kind of wraps up this yeah, episode. Yeah, like, and... like, Harry must really hate this. This is the start <laughs> of the piss take of Harry King. Yeah, it is. Because we have Tom Paris here, who has been booted out of Star Trek, out of Starfleet, is a criminal because he joined the Marquis and he's been in the <laughs> penal colony. Yeah. And he's still a prisoner at this point because the mission isn't finished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's only on loan to Janeway. And so she promote, gives him a field commission, rejoins him to Starfleet and makes him a lieutenant. Yeah, and he jumps, <laughs> he jumps past Harry. <laughs> it won't be the first time either. <laughs> yeah, so it finishes, obviously, Janeway makes a really good captain's speech about how they're going to find the way home and all of this stuff. And, yeah, I think it's a really good pilot, and it leaves you with so many things that you're like, well, I can't wait to see how we're going to explore that. Like, how's yeah. how's the tension between Chicote and Paris going to pay off? How's Kim and Torres' relationship going to develop? Uh, How, how's it going to and... be with every decision Janeway makes? Are they going to be putting yeah. heads? And... Yeah, exactly. Is there going to be friction between the captain and the first officer? And Are what... you just going to go, okay, Jane? <laughs> and how are, how are the rest of the Maquis crew going to go with it? Like, Chakotay's agreed to it he's their captain, but are they all going to agree with him? Are they going to follow him? Yeah. And there's so much interesting stuff set up. And again, I'm not talking about the other episodes yet. If this was a pilot and we just watched it this week, I'd be buzzing after this and thinking this is going to yeah. be a fantastic oh, where are we going show. Now? What's going to happen next? Exactly. <laughs> so, Parallax. yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that was it. I watched this to make my notes on it and I thought... I really like that. I'm like, I might just, you know, start a rewatch of Voyager and then, oh, you know, Parallax and time and again. Well, we did, we've done the third episode already, haven't we? We have, you're right. So I think, <laughs> you know what, Parallax, it's kind of a Janeway episode, but I think we can jump it. Um, well, I think that there's enough in there's season one. There's a couple of good Janeway episodes. Like I think Prime Factors is a good one and Eye of the Needle's a good one. So there's there's plenty of Janeway to look at, but we'll yeah we'll we'll come back to to that next week. We'll look at another Janeway episode or another couple of Janeway episodes. But any last thoughts yeah, on Caretaker? We'll, we'll look at a few Janeway before we start jumping around with the Q and yeah. the Doctor and other holograms and yeah, because we still don't know how long how how much time we've got to fit in. No, we don't. We could be a long time. We might time. just decide at random to, oh, let's look at this episode that we haven't watched for ages. Yeah, we could end <laughs> up doing all 700 episodes that we've not covered, depending on how long <laughs> it takes. But well, it, we've got plenty to go after. We have. 
Any last thoughts on Caretaker then before we wrap up? No, I, I, I'm very much with you on this. I think it's a really good pilot. It's a, in fact, it's a, it is, it's a great pilot episode. And like you say, if I was watching this, to, if I'd watched this today for the first time as a news show, mm. I'd be thinking, oh, where's this going to go with? Exactly, yeah. Well, we'll find we'll find out next time. <laughs> yeah, like there are some like I enjoy Voyager. I think there's some great Voyager episodes. Yeah, there is and, absolutely there is. And that, but there was so much set up in this episode. Yeah, and it had so much potential to do something different. Yeah, and instead, it, instead it became TNG. Yeah, that's it. It, it became it's... just to say. Monster of the week. It's missed opportunities, is Voyager, and it's a shame. But what they do do, a lot of the time they do do it well. It is a good show. It's just, it could have been so much more. But anyway, we'll we'll explore it in coming weeks and see if we change his mind to any degree. (laughs) But uh, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com, or you can come and join us on the Facebook group. Um, which if you're watching this live, you're already on there, but <laughs> come and sign up, search for Retrek on Facebook and come and join us. And thanks um, for... Go on. And we're going to look at putting this onto YouTube. Yeah, we're going to have a go. We're going to see how good we get with technology, but we'll find yeah. out. And thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.